Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known by forever, daddy. Oh, how we love you so. I know it's time to feel Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen. So Pastor Gary's going to bless the pulpit for the first time. So let's give it up for Pastor Gary. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. So today is Palm Sunday. And we're going to read the um, typical Palm Sunday um, scriptures. But I hope it won't be a typical Palm Sunday message. Um, I ask for the children to stay because we're going to be in including them today pretty soon. So if, if you could turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 1. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. You see, that's what Palm Sunday is about. It's about a king. It's about that triumphal entry of the king into his city. And the people of God welcoming him, welcoming him as, as, as king as they worship. They wave the palm branches. The palm branches back in those days was a symbol of victory. In fact, it tells us in the book of Revelation that up in heaven, that there are people from every tribe and tongue and nation and economic background, and they all, day and night, they stand before the king, Jesus, and they wave the palm branches. 
and saying, God, you are victorious. You see, he's a victorious king. He's greater than any, any other God. He's greater than any person. He's greater than your problems, greater than your sickness, greater than your circumstance. And they welcomed him into the city. They threw their clothes before him because that's what they did back then when they were in the presence of royalty. But you know what happened five days later? Those same people that welcomed him and worshipped him and acknowledged him as king, five days later those same people turned on him and said, crucify him. Those same people took part in killing the king because what they were looking for was not the king that God had, was offering them. See, the people were looking for a political king. They were looking for, for a king to come and set up his throne and recognize them and raise them up as a nation at that time who would rule and reign and make them rich. But that's not what the Jesus came for in his first coming. When he rode into Jerusalem, he came to be king of their hearts. And the people didn't want that. They didn't want someone to tell them what to do or how to live. They didn't want a, someone to say, you have to obey in your life. They just wanted the they wanted the outward. They wanted the political power. They wanted the money. But see, there's a king, and if you want him, if you want to receive the king, where well, you're saying, God, I make you king of my life. You are Lord of me. And not only on Sunday. It's easy to make God your king on Sunday. But at 3 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, when I want to know where someone is spiritually, I don't ask them where they were Sunday morning. I want to know where were you Saturday night. You see, he's a personal king. And Jesus said, if you love me, then you'll obey me. It doesn't help us to wave palm branches if we're not saying well, as we wave those branches, God, I, I give my life to you. I will obey you. I, I hear a lot of people say, well, I love Jesus, but I, I don't want to make him Lord of my life. I'm not going to obey him. No one could tell me what to do. I'm just going to live how I want. Well, then you don't love him. If you don't obey him, you don't love him. You see, he came riding, the Bible says, lowly and meek and gentle. He came into the city on a donkey because he wasn't like any other king. Back then, when a king rode into your city, he came to kill. He came to destroy. But he came gentle and lowly. Because he came looking for a people. He came with a heart filled with love, seeking after every one of you. Because he's still coming in. He's still seeking. He's still seeking a people. And he's a, he's a king that's approachable. 
He's gentle and humble. He will not turn you away, but he's filled with passion for you, for every one of you. Can you imagine that? That the King of kings, the Lord of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth is in love with you. And he came lowly riding on a donkey. He didn't come to destroy you. He came, he came to give you life, to give you forgiveness. See, that's what Palm Sunday is all about. It's about the King of Kings who loves you. And see, as he came in, the people worshipped him. There's a connection in the Bible between worship and the king entering in. There's, there's a connection as we worship God, as we praise him. We're not just singing songs, but we're saying, God, we acknowledge you. Come, come down, come into our midst. And that's not only for church. When I wake up sometimes three in the morning, I just say, God, I need you. And you know what happens as I begin to worship? The presence of the king just starts to come down. I can feel the peace of God. I can feel his presence. See, that, that's why we worship him. You see, if you've got sickness, depression, there's power as you begin to worship. If you're alone at night, and there's no one to call upon. Just beginning, just begin to praise him. Begin to worship him. And he's going to come. He'll break the power of your sickness, of your depression, of your sadness, of your grief, of your loneliness. Because he hasn't changed in all these years. He's still the king and he's still humble and lowly and riding on a donkey. Which means you can come to him. He's not angry at you. His arms are wide open and he's saying come. You see, I can't live without the presence of God. I can't go one day without the presence of God. It's for me, it's not so much, oh no, I got to take the time to pray. If I don't take the time to get in the presence of God, my mind starts to fill with worry and fear and doubt. Depression starts to take hold. But as I begin to get into God's presence, God begins to get bigger and stronger. The light begins to fill the darkness. A few years ago, Pastor George preached a sermon on worship. Not just one sermon, but a series of sermons on worship. And you know what he said? Worship is not just about singing. You see, that's only a little part of, uh, of worship. You worship God with how you live. You worship him with your life, with your lifestyle. 
That's, that's how you worship God. It doesn't do you any good to come here and wave flags and sing songs and feel good and then go home and live like hell. Abuse, abuse people, curse people. Go, go out drunk and partying. You could sing all you want. But God is looking at your life. He's looking at your heart. That's what you need to know for this Palm Sunday. He's a loving king. He's a gentle king. But at the same time, we need to have reverence in the house of the Lord. We need to have the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And as they came, as he came in, they worshipped him and yelled, Hosanna, which means God save us. But then after that, I'm going to go down to verse 12. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. You see, the Bible says judgment starts in the house of the Lord. And as a minister, I just want to repent to any of you who have gotten the impression because of what you've seen on TV or through different ministries that church is nothing but a way for some people to get rich or some people to make money. You see, that was what was going on back then. And Jesus came in and he turned the tables he kicked out the money changers. They could do anything to Jesus. They spat on him. They called him names. They pierced his hands and his feet. And he refused to strike back. He refused to respond. He refused to curse them. But when he saw that there was a mockery being made in his church, he came in and he... That's that's what drove him to action. That's what drove him, drove him to anger. You see, anger is not a sin. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. We need to have a zeal for the house of God. For the things of God, for the ministry. And I'm sorry for those who have prostituted the anointing of God for their own financial gain. I like to get real. I don't like wasting time. And I just want to apologize for that. But you can be guaranteed that in this church, you'll never, you'll never be manipulated for money. That nobody's going to beg you. No one's going to line their pockets. But I'm not going to spend too much time on that because I want to get to the next part which is what I want to focus on. Verse 14. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, 
and he healed them. You see, when the king comes, when the presence of God comes, you know what happens to the devil and all his works? It's got to go. Poverty got to go. Sickness got to go. Depression's got to go. When, when God walks into the room, when his kingdom begins to come down on earth, every, all the works of the devil are destroyed. Blind eyes open, deaf ears will hear. If you can get hold of that, I, I believe God will, will totally perform the impossible. He's doing that. You go to Africa, the dead are being raised. People are walking out of wheelchairs. I challenge you to begin to believe God for his kingdom to come. Isn't that what he said to pray? Jesus said, when you pray, you pray, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Well, guess what? In heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no blind people. There's no poverty up in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. And with the king, with the kingdom of God, the works of hell are destroyed in your family, in your life, in your job, in your school. That's the benefit of being a child of God. You are a child of that king. And you have all the rights and the authority. Nothing can stand in front of you. Because everywhere you go, the king of kings, he marches right in with you. You can totally transform the atmosphere in your home, in your job. Everywhere that you go, when the king comes in, something's got to happen. Verse 15. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. The religious people, they hate to see true worship. It offends people. I've seen it over and over again. I've seen people get, get offended at flags and dancing and worship. See, that's the religious spirit. You, you are free in this place. You are free to worship and, and dance. However, however the spirit leads you to, in your worship, you, you are free to worship God. They were offended because the children were worshiping. You see, I'm going to show you that there's power when the young people worship. That, that verse that I just read is a quote from Psalm 8. So I'm going to go to Psalm 8, starting in verse 1. It says, How majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. In other words, when the young people pray, when, when the children begin to worship, it tells us in the word that the enemy becomes defeated. We don't push the children into the background and say maybe when they grow up, 
then God could use them. What does it tell us? You want victory. We need to raise up a generation of children, of young people, of teenagers. That's why I wanted the kids to stay today, because you need to know that you are valuable in the kingdom. As a matter of fact, Jesus picked up a child, and he said, for such is the kingdom of heaven, a child like this. If you want to know what the kingdom of heaven looks like, you look at that baby. And it says that out of the mouths of the children and the young people and the babies, God has ordained praise because it defeats the enemies of God. That's why when my daughter was growing up, I, I, I lived far away from the church I was going to, but I didn't care if it was snowing, raining. Every single Friday night when, when they had the teaching for the girls, I made sure she was there. And people would tell me, oh, I, if my kids don't want to go to church, then I don't bring them. Guess what? What if your kids tell you they don't want to eat anymore? But well, how much more do you have to feed their spirits to counteract what they're hearing out there in the world? You see, this is why the world is so much after your kids. That's why the enemy wants to use everything they can to destroy the lives of the young people. The computers, through the TV, through the media, all the pressure put on young people it's because young people, children, you're a threat to the kingdom of hell. That's why I was so moved last week by Pastor George's sermon about the generations. You see, for me, it's not about me or what I want. All I care is to see the young generation raised up. Sometimes we have, we have some of the old Christians walk in and look around and they see the way people aren't all dressed their way and they hear rock and rap music and they get indignant like these guys in the Bible and they walk out. But you know what I believe? I, I believe that God is beginning to raise, raise up ministers who speak the language of this generation. Parents. That... that you can have a tremendous effect on these young people. That's what that sermon proved last week. That one person, one family who choose to stand for God, you can look hundreds of years later and their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, their great-great-great-grandchildren are still walking in the, in the goodness of God. You see, Joshua, in the book of Joshua, those of you who are reading through the Bible would have read this recently. And you know what Joshua told the people? He said, choose this day who you will serve. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, parents, adults, you are the role models for a generation, whether you like it or not. And guess what? Your children don't have to go through all the junk that you went through in trying to figure it all out. 
You see, me and my wife, we had two daughters. Neither one of them ever fell into drugs or sexual sin. And they, believe me, they were far from perfect. And, and if, if, if you have children and they've already begun to go that direction, in God there's new beginnings. You could start today like, with, with a virgin heart, cleaned and pure. But young people, you don't have to fall into the traps that we fell through. I was in jail many times. You don't have to learn that lesson. Sandy still can't believe it when I say that, right, Sandy, that I was in jail all those times. You see, I had to learn the hard way. You don't. You can grow up as a mighty army because that's what God wants to do in this generation. I believe that this coming generation is the generation that's going to usher in the return of Jesus Christ. You see, the first time he came lowly, riding on a donkey, gentle and holy, but he's coming back. And he's coming with a mighty army. And he's going to destroy wickedness. He's going to beat up the devil. And I believe that these young people here today are the, are the generation that God is raising up. And they're going to make straight the pathways for our God, for the return of Jesus Christ. And I want to call everyone else in the church for you to stand in between the world and these children. Your job is to stand between the enemy and this generation and say, if you're going to get to them, you got to get through me first. You see, there's power in these young people and these teenagers and these 20-somethings. And that doesn't mean that if you're 30, 40, like me, that, that God, uh, I don't, that wasn't supposed to be funny. Larry, stop laughing so much. It wasn't that funny. You see, it's not all about age, but it's about a heart. It's about a willingness. Some of you, you could be 70, 80, and your best days can be ahead. If you'll just receive Jesus as Lord of Lords, let him come into your heart. We begin to release him. Everywhere you go, God wants you to release his kingdom. I, I was a teacher for many years, for 20 years before I went into ministry. And I wasn't allowed to speak about Jesus. So you know what we do? We go in and, and just pray over the children. You say you could pray in the spirit. And we started to see things happening in the realm of the spirit. Because we began to release the kingdom of God. It changes the atmosphere. And we, we're, I'm believing God even for this nation. You see, there's a lot of prophets who are saying it's all over for this nation. For It's all over for New York. I believe that the best days are ahead if the people of God will rise up. So I, I want to begin to demonstrate right now what, we've, what I've been speaking about. So I'm going to ask Eric to come. And I want all the kids to come here in the front. I'm going to ask on that side and the teenagers... 
And the young people, if you just come up and stand on this side, if you're a teenager and you're visiting today and you're not comfortable coming up, that's fine. We don't want to pressure anyone. I want the babies to come up here. I want parents, carry your babies right now into the presence of God. Bring them to the altars. Wait, how many kids you bring? The Bible, you see, the Bible talks about a man named Samuel, and he was a mighty prophet, a mighty priest. And it says in the Word, from the time he was a little kid, he laid on the altar in the presence of God, and God raised him up to be mighty. The Bible says, out of the mouths of babies and children, bring, get all those babies. If you got to carry them, wheel them, whatever you got to do. We're going to call the twos and threes out of children's church. And we're going to start handing out, handing out the palms. We, we have flags for some of the kids. They're going to lead us today in worship. I'm going to ask everyone else if you could stand. We're going to defeat the enemy today. These kids are going to stand on your behalf. And we're going to destroy the works of hell. And we're going to usher in the presence of the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Welcome home to the sanctuary. A place of rest for the broken and weary. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless. us.